Welcome to the Buzzcast, the official podcast of the Stinger Bee League, an unofficial but officially fun Killer Queen Black League. Hello, everyone. We're your hosts. My name is Kyle. And I'm Blake. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our third episode. We're really excited. We've got a whole bunch of stuff lined up for you tonight. Uh, Blake, why don't you let everyone know what we're doing today? Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle. Here's what we have planned. Uh, we have a special guest in the form of Mr. Adam. He's going to tell us all about the fun stats that uh, he's been collecting. And we're also going to go over next week's matchups and um, what happened in week five, the week that's just passed and oh my goodness, week five was really something else. Let's uh, let's get into that right away. Uh, what were so what were last week's games and scores, Blake? Yeah, you, you're right. They were they were banging matchups, Kyle. Uh, last week's games uh, we had Cash Honey Billionaires taking their match two to one over the Flail Snails. Uh, we had Shaka when the drones fell taking their match up. 2-1 over Sting and the Police. So, uh, as, as exciting as they were, I have to admit that uh, both of my predictions were incorrect this time. That's right. You did You did make some uh, some corrections. And, you know, they they. I think we're going to find they weren't off by all that much. Yeah. So, you want to talk about the stories of the game there? Yeah, let's start with that first matchup then, Blake. Uh, so we had the Cash uh, cash Honey Billionaires winning 2-1 over Flail Snails. Why don't you let us in on what happened there? Well, man, the thing is, once again, we saw Flail Snails get oh so close. These guys are wild. I don't know. It's <laughs> if, I, if I didn't know better, I would say that uh, maybe they were... Uh, they're throwing matchups to shark us. Maybe they're going to, I expect them to ask us to bet money soon. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how close these guys can come to, to winning without uh, sealing the deal. <laughs> As league commissioner, Blake, are you going to be cracking down on that sort of uh, behavior? Man, I'd be proud if there was illicit gambling. <laughs> Let's be Absolutely. And you're right. It was incredibly close. It went down to uh, it went down to yet another third set game five, which we've seen a lot of this season. And I think of note that was that was Cash Honey Billionaire's first third set of the season. How did they manage to eke one out over these hard charging flail snails, Blake? Well, in the end. Uh, you know, maybe story of the season. We saw both teams heavily focused on soldiers, on military. Uh, 12 of the 13 games were military wins. Um, we saw probably two of the most aggressive queens going head-to-head -head, uh, in Tim and Ben. Just a staggering uh, total of 54 and 44 kills on each side. Uh, and that was, Ben was only queen for two of those three, and he managed to rack up 44 kills, which is crazy. Um, Tim's uh, rampant aggression was actually more than half of his team's offensive output. He did more than half of the kills. Again, crazy. Um, 21 of Cash and a Billionaire's 24 soldier kills. So what you saw there was just two queens who were, who were out for blood. They really were, and I think you were you were absolutely dead on about Tim. He was relentless, especially, I think, in the last game of the second set, I remember, I remember seeing him just chasing down Kyle McStravick like a heat-seeking missile and striking that blow that clinched that set. 
Now, here's an, interest, an interesting stat. Did you realize that flail snails actually scored 30% more kills than cash honey billionaires? That's 119 kills compared to cash honey billionaires 92, including an astounding 74 drone kills over the course of that matchup. Which, I, I don't know, Blake, with that kind of offensive output, how, how did that go sideways on them? Well, it's funny. You know, I, I've actually noticed a similar a similar trend in, in my game as Queen. Um, I, you know, I, I rack up huge kills, but often it's just not the one that really matters, which is the Queen, right? You can, you can kill drones all day. So it really wasn't for lack of trying by flail snails, but Cash Honey Billionaires, well, they employed a broader toolkit. Um, so they finished the match with five times as many snail miles as flail snails. Uh, and more than twice the number of berries. So what you saw was was um, <clears throat> cash any billionaires forcing forcing the flail snails into situations where um, you know their queen had to make risky plays, most likely. That's you know that's a really good observation, Blake. And we re we really saw that play out in in the third set, didn't we? When when the flail snails moved up quickly right off the start with two straight military victories, and they really seemed poised to get that first win. Didn't they? It was heartbreaking, to be honest, as a spectator. Uh, that's where the diverse strategy really paid off for Cash Honey Billionaires. Uh, in the third set, we saw a great team effort by, by Cash Honey to get uh, that economic win, of the only one of the whole matchup. But it was just about a different story. In that third game, uh, Tim was down to his last queen, as he mentioned. So if it hadn't been for Cash Honey's efforts on berries in that game, it could have uh, being game set and match right there for playoff snails. And uh, we would be having a very different conversation right now. Patrick got the winning dunk and it was one for the one for the, the record books. It was very satisfying to see. Uh, and then Cash Honey managed to win two more straight to complete the comeback. Yeah, these flail snails are just just absolutely snake bitten. Maybe snail bitten. I don't know. Uh, they they and again I'm gonna say this again, like I've said probably the every episode of this podcast these guys are just poised for a breakthrough we're gonna we're gonna see them and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be magic when it finally happens i think you're right blake they've they're tr they're trying their darndest and it's as you said earlier it is not for lack of trying and you know this matchup really for me is yet another example of the sort of dramatic storyline that can come out of matches of killer queen black wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, transitioning over to another story, uh, in the aftermath of the epic showdown between Shaka when the drones fell and Sting and the police, well, Blake, you and I were both otherwise engaged in that game, uh, but we had our own Tim down at the arena to take in that game and tell us what happened. So we're going to go down to him now live to update us on what has happened since that fateful game. Tim? Hello, Kyle. Blake, I'm broadcasting to you arena side. Gentlemen, it is sheer pandemonium. Sting and Shaka fans have been flooded the arena floor, and I am now in the midst of an all-out riot. <laughs> a, a riot? Tim, what's happened? What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, Blake, it started with the Week 5 match. Sting came out swinging. 
every drone had greater than 50% being soldier versus drone. Sting and the police had greater than 50% in gate control each and every game. In the first set, Shaka was all over the board. First attempting a berry strategy with hardly any berries. Couple that with weak snail miles and a pitiful soldier percentage. Ah, it's hard to determine if they even had any sound strategy at all. My goodness, Tim. And so is that when the riot started? <laughs> no. You see, Shaka began the turnaround in the, in, in the second set where they focused heavily on the snail. In the first set, there was only... There was only 400 miles for Shaka, but second set was 1,700. All in only three games, if you can believe it. This crucial change, ah, it it was clutch strategy change. It was crucial, absolutely crucial. Tim, are are you okay, buddy? Can you hear us? Kyle, I'm getting a bit nervous about this. Oh, goodness. Me too, Blake. Uh, Tim, Tim. Listen, if you can still hear us, what was Tim's turning point? Whoa, 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 okay, whoa, whoa, I'm here, I am here, I am here. Kyle, that's it, you see? The second set is the Tim's turning point. Shaka really worked wonders with adjusting their strategy. Oh, thank goodness you're okay, Tim. I'm glad, too. I, I never like missing Tim's turning point. Tim, you're clearly in danger, dude. You have to get to safety after you tell us how it finished. Absolutely not, Blake. My job comes first. Stone Cold Professional here. Blake, this brought us to the third set, which came down to the universe point. Sting brought their military game back up, and Shaka diversified with a solid snailitary. Blake, you had some of the fanciest flying through the map I've ever seen. Deking and dodging, you were dropping through the map so quickly and cleanly, stopping only to block the snail or making a quick, clean kill. But finally, it was all too much. Shaka pushed the snail to the opposing gate. Blake desperately tried to save the game for his team, and Kyle swept in for a queen-killing blow here. It was a classic snail bait technique. It was a game of epic proportions, and it was... Whoa. Hold on. Oh, no. Oh, no. Tim. Tim. It's it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. Tim, what is going on down there? It's a snail, Blake. It's a snail. Somebody let it out and it's on the loose. God, it nearly trampled me. And now it's plowing through the fans of the... Oh, this is terrible. It's still going and... Whoa. Hold on. Oh my God, it's just bursting into... The snail. It's on fire. It's on fire and... Oh, this is terrible, Blake. It's all just smoke and flames now. Whoa. Huzzah! Somebody's running in to put it out. Wait, Wait, is that... Oh my goodness. It's an opportunistic French chef. He's bringing garlic and butter. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, the horror. Oh, the malacology. Oh, well, uh, let's let's hope Tim is all right, Blake. Oh, God, yeah, let's hope so. Uh, remind me to thank him when he gets back to the studio, if he gets back. If he gets back, oh my goodness. Well... That sounds like the aftermath is going to be a story unto itself. Well, let's cross our fingers for our brave comrade, Tim. Always there for us when we need him to take in a game. Thank you, Tim. So, bring it back to the studio, Blake. After those matchups, 
what do our standings look like? Well, uh, nobody's going to be surprised to hear that Shaka remains in first. They are still unbeaten through five weeks of play. Cash Honey Billionaires now has sole possession of second place, uh, having pulled away from Sting and the Police after this week's matchups. And Flail Snails are still snail trailing behind. All right. Okay, well, what? Uh, let's look ahead to next week, uh, to week six, Blake. What can we expect from week six? Well, the matchups, Kyle, are Shaka When the Drones Fell versus Cash Honey Billionaires. That's pretty interesting. It's the two teams coming off their wins from this week and then uh, uh, from week five. And then uh, week five's uh, losers are going to match up Flail Snails versus Sting and the Police. All right. And what would you say Blake's team keys for success are for the uh, for each of these teams in week six? Well, for Shaka, I think what they need to do is simply hold the course. Uh, this is a team that uh, clearly knows their game and, and knows how to win it. Uh, I think, of course, anytime that a team plays uh, Cash Honey Billionaires, they have to be wary of Tim's play, uh, his MV, MVB level uh, play as queen. Okay, I'm just, for the cash I'm just taking note. I'm taking notes here. Okay, hold the horse. <laughs> All right, yeah, watch out for Tim. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I was on Shuck, I wouldn't want to see see my team change their game plan at all. I mean, it's you know they're five and zero. Oh. Okay, and then for the cash honey billionaires in that matchup, well, they gotta they gotta put the effort into get Shaka off their game to get them on their back heel. So I think these guys have to do a little bit of homework. And I don't mean I don't mean playing practice matches, but thinking about maybe even looking at the stats and trying to find out what it is that Shaka is doing that has been so successful. And then find a way to counter that. Because the thing is, versus these guys, versus Shaka, yeah, man, you gotta you gotta make them lose, I think. Uh, and then the flail snails against Sting. Um, I'd like to see the flail snails have a clearer focus. Um, sometimes uh, you have, uh, it seems like drones pursuing various strategies for them. Maybe they got a game plan that I'm not aware of, but I would like to see them definitely have a clearer focus, and I think that would help them a lot in this matchup. Uh, for Sting uh, versus the Flail Snails, I think my team needs to find its killer instinct. And by that, I don't necessarily mean a focus purely on military, but uh, I think that we're, we're maybe missing some... Uh, late match focus so we've had some discussions about that but yeah we, I, we just need to be able to seal the deal all right well thank you those were blake's keys for success brought to you by well by blake because <laughs> um, <laughs> you know we are not for profit uh well we're not commercial we're we do this for fun, for the love of it. Yo, we're not going to say no to sponsors, though. If anyone's listening, got <laughs> no, some we money, can't. We can't get. Burn. We can't get sponsors because then we can't use our theme music anymore. <laughs> oh damn! Okay, Brought never mind. We don't want your money. <laughs> Brought to you by Low Doses. Uh, check them out on Creative Commons. Uh, moving along. Uh, so, Blake, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we do have a special guest for this week's podcast. Two special guests, two episodes in a row. Uh, who do we have this week? Hell yeah. I am extremely excited about this one, Kyle. Uh, it's none other than Adam. Uh, he's the wizard of code. Uh, he's our stat stud and our uh, master of 
websites. I wish I'd saved Wizard for that because of the alliteration. But yeah, uh, Adam is, is a wild dude, and I cannot wait to hear what he's got to say. So, Adam, so happy you're here, dude. I want to hear all about how you got into Killer Queen Black, and how did you come to find yourself as our league statistician? Where did that come from? Uh, so I got an email from Crystal one day that said they needed a new, uh, one more player for this uh, this video game league that they were they were joining up, and maybe I would I would like to try it. Uh, and so I did, and I liked it. Uh, and then I joined the league. I was there from season one. Um, and my wife Courtney, who you all know, uh, was had the opportunity to sub for one of these games. Uh, and at the time, the sub, or the, you know, the stats only supported data entry for the 16 people that were hard coded in the Google form. I didn't make the stat sheet, by the way. I should have mentioned this. Oh, uh, who pardon me, Adam. Up? Pardon me. May I? May I actually make a correction there? The yep. stat, the the Google form was was actually uh, an early revision. Originally, I was just manually entering the data from screenshots. Ah. Well, all right then. Okay, there was a oh, like form. like literally into a into a spreadsheet. There was no form. Right, and then and then okay, so you know, I saw I I took a look at the stat sheet, and I really wanted to get Courtney in there because she played a sub game, you know, but we couldn't get her name onto the stats pages. Uh, so I sort of you know made a copy of the stat sheet and had my way with it. Uh, made a new new baseline data format, and then you know I I sent it along and I threw in some extra stats, so you know it wasn't just about Courtney; it was about extra information. Uh, and the next thing I knew, I was the stats guy because you know turns out that uh. People are happy to let me do it. Hang on. So, Adam, are you telling us you did it all from love? Yes. That's wonderful. Well, you've really run with it, and you've done a marvelous job, Adam. Can you maybe tell us a bit more about what exactly it is you do behind the scenes? You know, get into the sausage making a little bit, how you produce that amazing array of statistics. How do you do it, and how do you do it so quickly after every match? So, this has changed a bit over time. Uh, In the first season... Like Blake said, he was just manually entering them uh, first on the spreadsheet, and then on a form, and then after I changed it on the spreadsheet again, uh, <laughs> and then there. Uh, but back then it was just we were just getting you know kills, deaths, berries, snail miles. That's it, right? The four the four stats that you see on on the one screen. Uh, so for season two was you know by this time I was really into it, and I was like you know we can get this page two of stats. We've got all these you know gate control percentages and, and berry stats. So for season two. Uh, it turned out to be a lot to enter manually. Uh, so Kyle found this OCR service uh, that was able to... OCR, optical character recognition. It could read the screenshots. Uh, so we can send a screenshot up and it, you know, spits back out a little table. Uh, so we're able to use that to... Uh, well, I'm a computer programmer, so I made a little script to send up the screenshots, pull down the stats, and I could just copy and paste them into the Google form. Uh, so yeah, how it works is that I just take the screenshots... I put them in the folder, I run the script, and then I copy and paste. Easy peasy. Uh, except I still have to manually apply like the date and which teams are playing and who won and who lost and you know how they won or lost, the victory conditions. Uh, but we have recently discovered, uh, and thank you again, Kyle, for this, that Killer Green Black publishes these stats in files. And if you have seen Stinger, StingerBLeague.com, uh, these are the files that are driving that data. I, I just have um, to hop in here and say I, I can't take credit for discovering the JSON. Uh, Killer Queen Black, uh, they did put, the developers actually did put it into release notes. And if I just read the release notes, we would have known well in advance. 
Well, do you know who read the release notes? It's Kyle. <laughs> so as of this week, I'm really hoping to switch over to just using these files, and, you know, making people send me the files instead of taking screenshots myself and making a big fuss of it. Um, and the other thing that does is creates, you know, this, this record of all the games that we've played. Uh, and in the short term, it cuts it way down because now I can get the teams that played and the date and the win conditions and losses. You know, all this all this stuff right away. So, you know, I tried it out last week. Uh, it was just one one command, print stats, copy, paste into Google, I was done. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Very cool. And... Uh, just a, just a little note there. Uh, sometime between when we started this league, season one, and when season two happened, it was there was actually an update that that brought in that second page of stats. So it was the game at the same time that at the same time that our process of of recording these stats was evolving. Uh, so was the process of of you know the so was the data available from the game itself, which was pretty cool. Indeed, and. Yeah, like Kyle said, the these files that dump uh, only became available in March or so. So that that's a real season three uh, feature, or at least season three is the first full season that has had this this data. So Very cool. We're, we're we're moving right along with the game, it seems. That's so cool. So Adam, what is it about the Stinger B League stats that that you find so interesting? <laughs> it is a weird hobby. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just I like to to well i mean i like to program computers you know building the website like i've done recently was just actually me you know grabbing a couple technologies i wanted to try out and throwing them at something that i was familiar with but i just like to you know play around with it and see what information can be gleaned from this data uh because like anyone with data my interest is using it to make predictions about the future because it tells us what we expect to happen, what we should be surprised about. And I find that makes me much more engaged when I know, you know, oh, this this never happens. Very cool. Yeah. You know, as somebody who has played fantasy sports since probably 1998 online, fantasy sports, hockey mostly, but also baseball stats, I just, sports stats, I just love them. And I, that really resonates with me, Adam. I, it really has helped keep me more engaged with sports than I would have been if I was just following the team otherwise. So on that token, you know, stats tell a story. And I, and I think that's really what you're, what you're saying here is you're, you're interested in seeing that. So in your opinion, what would you say the story of the season has been and which statistical categories do you think that we see that story play out in? Uh, so when it comes to the story of the season, the aggregated team stats are really the thing to follow. Uh, the individual player stats are okay, but you know we only have so much data on any individual player, and it's so affected by the rest of your team that they don't have as much predictive power just you know alone. Uh, and you know they're all they're all tangled up uh, and all this other stuff. So the team stats include more data, uh, four times as much data to be specific, uh, and they just make make a much more consistent narrative out of it. Uh, a few highlights from the team leaderboards. So league standings aside, on a game by game victory basis, uh, the spread is actually really reasonable. Uh, I haven't I haven't updated these numbers. I wrote this out before uh, the most recent one, but as of this time, Shaka was running 64% of their games. Uh, Sting was at 48%. The other two are at 44%. So in terms of individual in terms of individual games of Killer Queen Black. Uh, 
it's really quite even. I can give you a quick update on that. It's Shaka at 62%, Cash Honey Billionaires at 49%, Sting of the Police at 47%, and Flail Snails at 43%. Very right. close. So, very close spread. You know, Shaka's a little up there, but everyone else is very, very clustered, which I like to see. Um, and I think the billionaires are underrated, although this is less true of this week's stats than they were from last week's. Um, and that's because their only game with Shaka so far has come when uh, Tim was always sick. So I really, I'm really looking forward to, to next week to see how that that turns out because I think it'll be it'll be a little different from last time. Uh, in terms of victory types, Flail Snails and Sting are over 90% military wins. Uh, which is, you know, kind of continuing the story from last season. Uh, Shaka naturally is the the snail snail leader, uh, thanks to Victoria and her efforts. Uh, and then the Cash Honey billionaires seem to make a concerted effort to go for Econ, uh, and they've won 30% of their games as Econ. Although again, that my number number might be smaller now. It's um, down and then to another 20- it's down to 23 now. All right, what what are they at for snail? Cash Honey Billionaires are at 14% for Snail. Okay, so still still 30, close to 40% of, you know, let's say alternative win strategies. Uh, really our it. most diverse uh, in terms of win strategies team. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Okay. So that's sort of the, the, the surface narrative, but Adam, would you say there's any sort of untold story happening this season too? Uh, things that the statistical categories uh, uh, where they're showing patterns or trends that haven't necessarily been obvious to anyone who's just watching the matches? Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's not, it's sort of an open secret that the Flail Snails really ought to have won by now uh, because they win pretty much as often as anyone else does. They just need to, you know, get them in more groups of threes. <laughs> The Cash and the Billionaires are really staying true to their name with the with the berries, and their berries per game are over five, uh, which is head and shoulders above anyone else. Even even our team with Blake Blake at the helm is at three point two berries per game, uh, and three of the top four individual berries per game uh, slots, like for individual players, are Cash and the Billionaires players. They're all they're all going hard on berries. Uh, in terms of gate control. Uh, we see Shaka and Sting uh, really occupying the over 50% range. Uh, and the other two teams are taking a, a different tack. And they have, you know, 30, in the range of 30% gate control. Um, and, you know, that sounds that sounds like a big gap. But, you know, if you, if you can get everyone soldiered up uh, and then not die for a while, then you don't really need those gates, do you? So hmm, I think that's how, uh, that's how that's shaken out. Okay. Uh, however, Shaka retains a substantial advantage in soldier percentage. Uh, they have 18% more than the second place Sting uh, at 64%. So they're they're spending a lot more time, you know, running around killing, hmm. killing guys than the rest of us. This is interesting. So okay, so that's interesting. So that's that's the untold story from the team stats point of view. What about coming at it from? a more individual stats point of view because I, I know that some of our listeners are really interested in, in hearing who is do, who is doing what. Well, uh, a few things we can say. Uh, one last season, uh, Mike, uh, you may know of his cheese fart, 
was notably belligerent, and he was really near the top in most of the stats with kills in the title. You know, he was, I think, top end of the season, top queen kills. You know, many many soldier kills. Uh, this season, he's mostly retired from military service, and he finds himself the easy league leader at Barry's instead. So I don't know if he's taken some sort of vow of non-aggression, but it's interesting to see uh, how that's shaken out. Uh, Stefan and Victor uh, have not put down the sword. They remain our most violent players, dominating the toughest spots in most military categories, with Victor leading a little bit in KPG and Stefan leading a little bit in KDR. Can you please, uh, uh, for our listeners, just just uh, say what those acronyms are? Kill, kills per game and kill-death ratio. So Stefan dies less, Victor kills more. <laughs> uh, and Victoria alone... Uh, it must be pointed out. We all know that Victoria is the queen of snail, uh, but I don't think we really appreciate the extent to which this is true. Uh, Victoria alone has racked up more snail miles than every other team's top two snail riders combined. Altogether, six people versus one. So she has ridden almost single-handedly more snail miles than the rest of the league put together. That's not quite true, but it's almost true. That's and wild. That is very surprising. <laughs> well, it's it is it is surprising yet we are talking about victoria last year's mvb uh who got there by snail riding so maybe it's not as surprising as we might think (laughs) well you've you've certainly got some very interesting and unique insights and they those probably only come adam from being so heavily involved in generating and curating the stats i expect as in i would think someone coming in and just looking at the stats casually or even even deeply wouldn't really see things in the way that you do coming from your unique position of creating the spreadsheet modifying it inputting the stats seeing how things flow so from that perspective would you say is there is there anything else that you're able to see or do that simply isn't obvious to someone just looking at the spreadsheet uh so something interesting i've discovered recently doing the website um is about the maps uh each map has an id and uh you know they kind of go in ascending order starting from the one to the other Uh, and the top map has id 17 which means that there's about 11 maps somewhere on a cutting room floor at uh, Liquidbit Studios. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, huh. so that's fun to think about. I wonder uh, how many maps were in Killer Queen Arcade. Uh, that's a good question, and that's probably information that one of us could find out, but hmm. I wish we thought of it ahead of time. <laughs> Funny. I'm, I'd also be curious to find out what the map ID is of the the new map that's coming out. I wonder if it'll be lower than 17 or higher. Well, when it comes out, I'll let you know. Uh, and one more factoid that I couldn't fit in um, is that at the beginning of each season, uh, I sort of look at the teams that, that exist, and I try to assign the team colors based on who is going to be winning at which victory condition. So, you know, I make the berry team blue and the snail team yellow and the red, the red team military, and then green for the other one. Uh... And this season, I was really right about red. The flail snails have been going very hard military, um, which is no surprise. Uh, but the rest have been surprises. Uh, and if I was doing things now, obviously Shaka would be the yellow team, Cash Money Billionaire is the blue, and Sting, uh, I believe, would be the green team. Huh, very interesting. That's a, that's a fun little Easter egg. 
So teams are created a bit differently this year. Uh, we went uh, we went with a semi-scientific approach, and you had a big hand in that, Adam. Uh, can you give us some insight into that process? Like, what was the approach? Uh, how did we how did we get to it? Um, what categories uh, were influential in it, and why? Yeah, sure. Uh, so our goal for the season of team distribution was obviously to make fair teams, and to do this using the stats to sort of you know, again predict. Uh, what might happen when we put these people together. Uh, so the basic approach that we used was a simulated draft with the picks distributed versus stats-derived uh, player ratings. Uh, so what we did first is we used the stats to pick the four top queens based on several categories of performance. And I believe we, we used four four in all. We used the you know kills kills per minute, uh, deaths per minute, uh, because you know, you're not supposed to die as the queen. Uh, and two more I forget. Uh, and, you know, kind of pick pick the four queens in order, order them in order. Um, and then we did a very similar thing with the players, with actually a group of eight stats this time, uh, grouped into various, you know, military and snail and berry categories. Plus, we also did, uh, you know, not dying, because that's relevant to everyone. Um, and then, so once we once we formed these ratings, we, you know, got the four queens together, and we did a simulated snake draft. So one, two, three, four, uh, and then in reverse order, how do you explain the snake draft? Yeah, one, two, three, four, four through two, one, one, two, yeah. three, four. Yeah, one, th- yeah, exactly. Uh, so we iterated on it several times, right? We like played with the numbers because you know we got we got some some initial team makeups that were kind of obviously bunk. So you do you felt that even though even though it, it you know your statistical model was working, it didn't pass the eye test. Well, I mean, the thing about statistical models is that they don't have any any opinion about the world, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Fair. And, and if those don't agree, then I don't think you can say that the model is very useful. Throw so, the model. Love yeah. it. Uh, so we, we did a little, little you know, pushing numbers around, but we, we landed on something that looked really fair and kind of made some reasonable teams, essentially. Okay. Uh, so we iterated several times on the exact combination. Uh, and we also tried to roughly balance the individual military econ and snail effectiveness of each team, right? Because we had individual stats for each of those categories for each player, so we could you know lay them out and see see how it was doing. Did it, did uh, we any ended up, one of those? Did any one of those come out more or less than the others? Uh, yeah, we ended up weighting the military stats around sixty percent, and the other two about twenty percent each. Um, and this isn't really a value judgment about you know military being better. Uh, it's just that putting the most militarily effective people uh, on the top end of the draft in one chunk uh, means that they get spread out across the teams. Because we didn't want, uh, even though we've produced it, we didn't want all the teams or any one team to be you know, the hardcore military victors. I would uh, say that's fair, especially... Yeah, I would say that's fair, especially considering that our league tends to skew heavily towards military victories for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to uh, what to attribute that to. Okay. So, in your opinion, Adam, how would you say that this approach to building teams has worked out? And if you if you were to do it again, do you think you would tweak it, or would you do a wholesale change, a, a completely different approach? So I think it's it's working pretty well so far. In that you know. As I said, we have a pretty tight gap in terms of overall games won. I think Shaq is, Shaq is a bit too strong uh, somehow, but everyone is still very much in the game. You know, every 
every team has a has a real shot of winning this tournament, in my opinion. Uh, so I think we'll end up with a variation on the existing approach. Uh, the main challenge of forming teams ahead of time is that individual player stats, like I said, don't capture some important variables. Like teams routinely perform above or below where you would predict based on the individual players. Right. In a so, perfect world, we'd have. Oh, carry on. No, go on. In a perfect world, we'd have data from many games played with shuffled teams, um, and then we could, you know, just look at everyone's win rate and see what they contribute to any given team's chance of winning, uh, without taking taking into account the same team playing again and again. Um, but you know, obviously, we want teams. We want to play as teams. It's fun to play as teams. Uh, however, next season we will have uh, two seasons worth of stats, uh, comparable stats to base our team building on, and I think that'll help us untangle a little bit of the player from the team. Uh, and help us close the gap in terms of balance. Uh, very it should cool. only improve for seasons five and beyond, of course. Very cool. Very cool. I can't wait to see what that looks like. So at this point, Adam, we're just past the halfway mark of the season. Uh, there's still lots of time for things to change, but if we had to make new teams right now based on the same algorithm, what would they look like? Yeah, so I, I took the stats and I plugged them into the, uh, a copy of the spreadsheet. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off the teams as they appear. Uh, so one of the teams is Tim, Anthony, Patrick, and Victoria. Uh, we got one, Ben, Stefan, Court, Dylan. We've got Blake, Adam, Mike, and Crystal forming a team. And then a final team of Kyle Murray, Victor, Gary, and Kyle McStravick. Uh, and I think that would, you know, represent a very large shakeup uh, in terms of overall overall thing. It would be, be interesting to see. And uh, of course... By the end of the season, these these numbers will all be different, and those teams will be invalid. So don't don't think too hard about that. <laughs> it would be an interesting shakeup. I just right off the just as you rattle those off, I definitely heard some some really intriguing combinations. Man, yeah, it's exciting just to see what the about future might hold. What would have been on my team? Who would have been on my team? There were you know there was one person I played with from season one one person I played with from season two and one person I haven't played with at all. So yeah, very, very different from where I'm sitting. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is it's nice to shake up the teams and get people to meet each other. I think that's another very important part of doing this exercise. Totally. Totally. That's one of the most fun things about Stinger B league stats aside. It's, it's just, it's great community. So Adam, but I want to thank you. Uh, so much for being on the show. It was it was excellent. It was extremely uh, illuminating about all the stuff going on with the numbers. And I hope that you will join us again sometime. Yes, thank you very much, Adam. It was great. It was very, very, very interesting. Of course, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So, Blake, it may must be very interesting from your perspective as a, as a veteran player to see how Killer Queen Black's statistical analysis has evolved since you first started playing. How do you feel that these advanced Killer Queen Black statistics have contributed to the game overall? Do they really provide the additional insights we think they do, or do you feel like, are they just muddying the waters? Well, I think, yeah, big picture, I think they provide plenty of insight. Uh, I mean, so much so that we trusted them enough to build teams around them for this season and we've we we have been rewarded for doing so i mean as as adam was talking about with the 
uh, when you break it down to game wins, uh, these teams are really quite balanced. Uh, we've been able to see trends in the way teams perform and where individuals shine. Um, it's, it's given us the opportunity to highlight individual performances, which is really fun, you know, just like putting, putting the spotlight on Victoria. I mean, like, oh my God, like, look at all these snail mouths. Very fun. Now, I will, I, the, I think the one caveat there is, um, you know, a lot of the, the basic stats you can't argue with. Victoria has X snail miles. Uh, you know, Kyle Murray has X kills per minute. As far as the advanced stats go, I think it's still a work in progress, and, but that's the fun of it. I mean, you get to kind of tweak the, uh, you know, tweak the weighting of things and just see and see, you know, find, find what works. I mean, as Adam mentioned, the, the whole, the whole uh, setup to build the teams, he tweaked several times just because the teams didn't pass the, the, you know, the, the sort of human eyeball test after, after the numbers were run. So advanced stats are work in progress, but, but what a joy and, and what a fun thing to, to do. Well, I, I'm glad you said that, Blake, because I, I really do I really do agree with that. And I feel like we've barely started scratching the surface. I mean, we haven't even factored in things like glances or beans or any of the other other statistics that are still coming down from the Killer Queen Black developers that just haven't been integrated into our own league stats machine yet. And when they do, I, I'm really fascinated to see what stories are going to come out of that. For sure. Another one that I would love to see us incorporate in future is um, like players' blood alcohol content. I just I think that would give us some insight into you know performance trends over the course of a game or a season. Well, I'm sure that the Killer Queen Black <laughs> Liquid Bits developers... Liquid Bits? Is it Liquid Bits? Yep. Yep. I'm sure that the Liquid Bits developers are hot on that particular user story, Blake. Blood alcohol content. <laughs> you could be sure of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, with that, uh, on that note, we are just about out of time for this week's episode, Blake. Uh, can you let our listeners know what we have lined up next week? Because it's pretty exciting. Everybody, it is time to get pumped. Uh, next week's topic, uh, we're going to talk about the gates and the power-ups. Uh, there's lots to dive into there. Um, so look forward to it, everybody. Oh, gates and power-ups. It is going to be incredible. Epic, I think. All right. Well, on that note, let's uh, give a thank you, Blake, to all of our listeners for tuning in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We love you. We really, really do. Thank you so much. And we've had so many people tuning in and listening to the Buzzcast in these past couple of weeks. It's it's been it's been really rewarding for me, Blake. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think I think I can speak for both of us, Blake, when I when I say to you, our listeners, we are both grateful and humbled by the time you have taken out of your day to listen to the buzzcast and hopefully we have contributed to making your day that much better okay that's enough kyle thank you everybody <laughs> thank you everyone please join us again next week for the next episode of the buzzcast Woo! the buzzcast is a non-commercial podcast and has no official affiliation with killer queen black its publishers distributors or developers the buzzcast theme song is beasting by the band low doses and is used under the creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license